What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Movie Morning. And today is going to be part seven, if I'm right, of my series of Star Wars reviews leading up to The Rise of Skywalker, which is only four weeks away. I'm so excited. The tickets have finally come out where I live. After a month, they've been out everywhere else. I'm on the brink of buying my tickets. First, I'm going to record this and talk about one of the greatest films ever made, which is not a spoiler for this review, because I'm sure you already know that. Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Once again, I know some people will kill me for calling it Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, not Empire, or just Empire Strikes Back, but... That's how I grew up watching the movie, so you're never ever going to take that away from me. Unfortunately for you guys, I couldn't care less, to be honest. But, yeah, of course, Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back, is directed by Urban Urban Kirshner. And, of course, once again, produced by George Lucas and stars Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Billy D. Williams, Anthony Daniels, James Earl Jones, Peter Mayhew, all all the, you know, everyone from the original, basically just adding, like, like, once again. Billy D. Williams, the main cast. Anyway, of course, the film starts. We're in Hoth. And this is probably one of the most memorable film opening sequences of all time. It's probably one of the weaker elements of this movie, looking at it as an overall thing. But still, it's pretty a pretty mind-blowing way to start the film in terms of... In terms of an actual film, like compared to the rest of the movie, it's probably the weakest part, like I said. But it's pretty mind blowing, to be honest. The effects are something you can just tell are a massive, massive improvement over the original. Because the original, although it looked very good at parts, you could tell there was some of it was a little clunky but great for its time. Now everything just. A, Everything in this movie looks perfect, and I did not doubt a single shot in this film. That I'm just, I never went. That didn't look real watching it again. Every it, it, it's it's sublime how, what they were able to do at that time, and truly, this is one of the great masterpieces of all time. And the special effects and model work and everything with the ships and all that is beyond a lot of technology which is used today, and that's saying a lot because this film came out in 1980. We didn't know. And the locations in this movie are so, it's something which I feel is, gets very much overlooked. See, the thing is, Star Wars has always had great locations. The first one, especially from the first one, it always it has great locations, right? But the thing is, this one, The Empire Strikes Back, always to me, taken it to another level. As we get so much different things. We get Dagobah and this swamp type of environment. We get Hoth, this snowy planet. Then we have Cloud City, this city and the beautiful clouds and all that. It's just, it's the, the variety. We also get ships and star destroyers. The wide variety of everything and all the setting we see in this film is pretty mind-blowing, especially with the time it came out. That You could tell the effort put into this was... Just beyond a lot, which, you know, a lot of things that we see today, which is pretty insane considering it came out in 1980, like I said, and they were a lot more limited. A genius move that George Lucas decided to make in this movie is splitting the characters as, you know, throughout the story, then have them rejoin in, you know, in spurts, but 
you know, it's kind of splitting them out for the second act of the movie, then kind of having the two plot lines emerge, but we don't really see some of the characters together anymore in the rest of the film. Now, the thing is, after the first act, which I'm not going to talk too much about because it's probably one of the weaker aspects of the film, we get, of course, in the first act, there's some really funny moments, but the comedy really... There are a lot of great comedic moments, especially when we're on the Falcon, the asteroid field, or whatever, but it really does... The split in the characters really does allow for more contrast and locations that expands the universe to another level, which we really didn't expect going into this movie. She, I didn't going into it, watching it for the first time. But yeah, you can tell this one, they leaped up from the first one, which I, which I already thought was one of the most, one of the greatest films ever made. But this one, they just took it to another level, everything. And splitting the characters... To help expand the universe was a genius idea. Of course, you have Luke on his own adventure, the up-and-coming Jedi Knight, which we probably obviously wouldn't have known at the time of watching it for the first time. But we also have Han, Leia, and that relationship blossoming, and everyone in the Falcon, C-3PO, Chewbacca, R2-D2. All these characters we've known to love now, but yeah. This is one of the most genius movies in all of movie history. You see where it came out. And of course, like I said, as they're on the Falcon, we have Luke going to Dagobah, and we meet Frank Oz voicing Yoda for the first time, at least when it came out, not, this, not really in chronological order, but yeah. Yoda is, without a doubt, one of the most iconic movie characters of all time. I am, I have no doubt that when George Lucas first invented the idea of Yoda, he just thought this was going to be a random side character which is not going to matter too much if you start to teach Luke. He never expected it to be something like this. Yoda is now a cinematic icon, and this movie was probably Frank Oz's best portrayal of him, despite it being the first. I always preferred puppet Yoda over CGI Yoda. That's just me. Like I said in my last review, I always prefer tangible things over computer-generated effects because I never buy it. I never really buy it as much. But the thing is, Yoda is, he looks amazing. And the voice work and everything with him is amazing. And the way he delivers exposition on the Force. And, you know, what we learn kind of a little where, well, who the Jedi are and all that through him. We see his hut. We see all that is just amazing. You're so sucked in. You cannot... Turn this movie off. Even watch this movie again. I could not resist not turning it off. Because this world sucked me in. With, despite it being heavy amounts of exposition, it's so interesting that I don't think anyone could not want to hear more about it. And, of course, while this is happening with Luke and all that, we have the asteroid field and everything that's going on there. We, of course, the fan brilliant score by John Williams. Again, this is probably the best, in my opinion, the best film score of all time, what John Williams did with this movie. And, of course, we have one of some of the best themes of all time. You know, every character had a theme. It was amazing. They're all memorable. Everything you can remember because it's so catchy, so, you know, so, so fun to kind of... So fun to, re to hum and all that. And of course, the asteroid field scene is definitely highlight. We see Han and Leia's relationship, you know, growing, and we really see the payoff in Return of the Jedi, which I know some people say is creepy, 
with the love triangle and all that. I thought it made quite a lot of sense with throughout the course of the story. And I think Return of the Jedi gets picked on a little too much for that. If you're going to pick on that, you have to do the same with Empire Strikes Back, in my opinion. But again, we'll talk about that more next week. But that's just my thoughts on that. Also, back on Dagobah, we have Luke. Kind of, when, when he goes to the cave, he sees his worst nightmare, which is himself becoming, in be, turning evil, kind of like Darth Vader. Like, we see Luke cutting the head off Darth Vader, which is pretty dark and would have 100% been classified pretty darkly during that time. It was, which I'm surprised this movie got PG, but when you, when you see the mask, you see Luke Skywalker himself through that Darth Vader mask. This is... In my opinion, one of the creepiest moments, probably the creepiest moment in the series, the way it opens, you see Luke Skywalker's face. You're shocked. You swallow your phlegm, you're nervous. You're like, wait, what does this mean? And you just, it's so amazing. And also, another great example of the score, we see Yoda's theme. We get Yoda's theme, one of the greatest themes ever, once again. Then we have that scene where, of course, some the most memorable quotes of all time, do or do not, there is no try, just naming one of them. If Han Solo never tell me the arts, everything. Some of the most famous cinematic quotes come from this film. And it's, some, it's stuff that people still say today, which is amazing. Since the film came out, by next year, it would have been 40 years since this film came out. And one of my favorite scenes is when Yoda lifts the X-Wing, you know, and Luke... Just tells him, you know, it's too big. And then, yo, that is why you failed. The greatest wreck of all time in a film. Can't argue with me on that. That's 100% true. And Yoda, of course, tries to stop Luke from going to save his friends. Of course, Luke, being arrogant and kind of reckless at that age, of course, he bypasses Yoda and just goes, which is one of the best scenes. We have Obi-Wan come back. Then we have a little hint and what we could see in the future with Yoda saying, there is another. And now, and at this point when we hear this, we speculate. Who is it? Watching it, I always thought it was going to be like a new character showing up. Or it could be Han Solo. I didn't think for a second it would be Leia. But, you know, of course, that did turn out to be the case. Although she wasn't really needed by the end. You know, we get that little slight hint of like that cliffhanger. Which we want to even know more about for the next movie. Despite it only being halfway through the movie. All the twists and turns, everything in this movie is why you're so sucked in, why you can never turn it off. If you, you just, it, you, it's, everything is so interesting. And of course, we also get the scene with the Exogorth, you know, that the space worm, the star, is, a lot of people call it, it is called the Exogorth, under, where they're under, we see, we get the, um, the Minox for the first time, which, is, which have shown up in a couple other things then, you know, once they escape, they find out, you know, it's an Exogorth, not just a, an asteroid. It's, all, it's obviously a pretty awesome scene watching the film. The effects are pretty out of this world for the time. Although it does look pretty model-y, if you know what I mean. Like, it looks, it very clearly is a model, which is interesting, because I, I didn't notice anything else of, anything else in this movie that looked that way. But, of course, with all this time, they are being chased by Darth Vader. And he is basically just... Cutting down his ranks because whenever there's a failed attempt to catch these people, Vader is obviously really BA and he just chokes 
everyone that messes around with him. And of course, that's pretty dark stuff, but it's pretty awesome to watch. You see the Force Show, which is used a lot in this film. And then we get our introduction to Emperor Palpatine. Which is a pretty crazy moment, to be honest. Because he, we always thought Darth Vader felt like the most... Well, like... If there was a leader for, for, for a villain gang, obviously, it would be, there's no one else who could do it better than Darth Vader. But Darth Vader was actually, this entire time, he was a prodigy to Emperor Palpatine, where we learned that, Va- that, you know, that they know who Luke Skywalker is and he's an offspring to Anakin Skywalker, not revealing at all that Vader is Luke's father, which is insane, which comes up later in the film. All this is one of the greatest tension building you could ever see in a movie, and that's pretty pretty out of this world, to be honest. Of course, then we have Cloud City. During this time, Luke senses that his friends are in danger. We already talked about this. Of course, he comes into play a little later. We meet Lando Calrissian, played by Billy D. Williams, for the first time, and he is... Such a joy to watch on screen. I'm sure you all know this, but Lando Calrissian, played by Billy D. Williams, is also another one of the most iconic movie characters of all time. And it made Billy D. Williams really an A-list actor. Now, the thing is, I always loved... The Cloud City stuff was... I always loved it, but it really... I... when you, If you're younger, you don't really... You just want action after action. This is... One of the slowest points of the film, but there is so much going on that you have to be inv- invested and you have to enjoy it or else you just don't, you don't feel a connection anymore. And the thing is, throughout this we see more of a relationship building between Han and Leia. And of course, one of the saddest parts is of course, Han getting frozen in carbonite, which is something that I'm sure no one watching this movie could have anticipated going to the next one. That was pretty much the cliffhanger that we were going to see the resolution to this storyline, but of course we have some really iconic lines from between Han and Leia, and then we see the reactions from anyone, especially Chewie. It's so heartbroken. It's, everything's on point, all the dialogue, the emotion, everything is there. You really do feel for this character because you feel like something has really been building and now he's just going to get taken away. And of course we have Boba Fett, who is also introduced in this movie, I do not, especially watching again, I have no idea how Boba Fett is so popular. He was completely misused for a lot of these movies, but he worked in this film. He's a really awesome character to have in there for what he can do, but of course he's pretty wasted. That's why I don't, that's why I don't really get out why he's so popular, but again, a guy with blaster and a rocket and rockets. What else do kids really want? <laughs> That's the thing. But next, but before we get on to the end where, you know, we get a little hint of Leia and all that, we have the showdown, which is, in my opinion, the greatest lightsaber battle in any Star Wars movie, the showdown between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Anyways, this is the one of the greatest fight scenes of all time, if not the greatest. It's probably not the greatest. One of and definitely the greatest in terms of swords. 
I will say that, which probably means it's a great exclusive type of, those are the best type of fight scenes, but yeah, 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 yeah. This showdown is every, you feel the tension, you feel like there's something going on which we really don't understand until later in the fight. You feel like there's a connection between them, but you're just like, that doesn't make sense. They're on the opposite end of the table and all that. And then, of course, we have probably the greatest movie twist reveal of all time. Actually, no, no, I take that back. It's definitely the greatest watching it for the first time. I was mind blown because, of course, I watched the original trilogy first. Luke, I am your father. It's... When you watch the film for the first time, you... Just look back at everything that's been going on the last two movies and you connect the dots of what Obi-Wan says, what Obi-Wan has said to Vader and everything, and then you just realize everything clicks. It's one of the most genius moves by George Lucas in any film ever, and you're just... You feel a sense of satisfaction as you finally have learned the truth. It's just everything you want. It's, it brings all this weight and emotion that you really can't couldn't have found if you had learned anything else about this. And afterwards, of course, you have Luke jumping down, and he pretty much is jumping to his death because his hand also gets cut off. But then we have Luke trying to call to Leia using the Force, as Leia, also being Force-sensitive, feels that Luke is in danger, and they end up, Luke ends up getting saved. Then we all head back to... What is it? We all head back to... You know, the, the ships and all that, then coming to the end, we get, we get one of the best cliffhangers of Luke and Leia watching as Chewie and Lando head off to go save Han on Tatooine, where we return to where everything first started, back in the first one, which wraps it up. What a film. What a film. Watching this film for the first time, I immediately, almost immediately, put in my put in my copy of Return of the Jedi, but I remember just being like, someone telling me you're busy and we have to go somewhere. And I was like, I want to watch this, but yeah, I had to go somewhere and I'll watch that a bit later. But yeah. The Empire Strikes Back. There are no words to describe how perfect this film is. Now, let's get into my final thoughts because, yeah, let's just get into it. So as always, guys, if you did in, if you did enjoy hearing me talk about this film and you have, if you're new, go check out my other reviews. I published mine of my review of A New Hope last week, starting with The Phantom Menace all the way to this film, including the anthology films. You can see my reviews. Everything is on my podcast right now, so go check it out. And if you do enjoy hearing me talking, come back tomorrow evening. If for Arrow fans, it will be my review of episode 5 of Arrow season 8. Come back on Sunday or Monday for my week for my week 7 rundown of the Arrowverse. We're having talking about the Flash and everything. Then come back Monday or Tuesday at the latest for my review of Frozen 2. No, spo- no spoilers. And I won't be having much to do with that film though because there isn't too much to say from my perspective anyway. Yeah. Allow me to get, let's get into my rating and recommendation. The Empire Strikes Back is, Star Wars Episode Five. The Empire Strikes Back, is known to be the, probably the greatest 
space fantasy film of all time or sci-fi, whatever, you, you know, whatever. It's, and for me, it definitely is the best. It is the, I'm not going to say the best because I've, it used to definitely not be, but now I am reorganizing them to rethink it out. And then you'll see in my ranking of all the Star Wars films next month, right after The Rise of Skywalker premieres, if it does end up being. But The Empire Strikes Back. What can I really say that hasn't already been said about this film? It's everything you'd want from a space fantasy film. It has great action, a lot of emotion. Every, you feel so much about the course of this movie. The twist, turns, reveals. You don't see coming. Take you on it. Really you make, make you think back and connect the dots from everything that's been built. And you really start to see everything coming together. And every, and every piece being set perfectly. And everything being perfectly laid out for the finale to this trilogy. I'm going to give The Empire Strikes Back an A+. Was there any doubt? I wasn't. I was. I was. Was there any doubt? Any doubt of me giving it an A plus? Of course, there's nothing else I could give it. It's for its genre, the perfect film. I'm not saying it's a perfect film, but for the genre that this film is set in, you can't find something better. It's a perfect film for its genre. Once again, it's not like some people won't find it perfect, but yeah. As always, if you enjoyed, thank you for clicking on and. Come back next time again if you enjoyed. Anyways, goodbye, and as always, have a marvelous day.